1: Greg, is there anything that you would just like to talk about that you want to, you know, kind of get out there to an audience?
0: Yeah, it's really been interesting. One of the things is I was thinking about, you know, you know, I would run out about three minutes of my, what I know to talk about. Um, I thought, you know, what are, the, what are the kind of things I'm learning? And it's been really interesting, you know. I, one of the things that's occurred to me during COVID and, and it's come as a result of all these assessments I've worked on in my life. As I said, my calling is to make disciples. My career's changed dramatically seven or eight times. But the interesting thing for me, and, and, and it's occurred to me just recently, is that I think the most impactful decade of a leader is their last decade of leadership. Interesting. And, and I can justify that with Paul. We can talk about that in a I can, I can talk about Paul. But I can also talk about throughout history. In fact, it was Bobby Clinton in the making of a leader. You probably read that book, but you know that was his premise. He didn't say it that way, but his premise was that you go through stages, and you know the fifth stage for him was that most significant. But as I've studied leaders, as I've assessed leaders, as I've done the work, it it it. The, I really am convinced that that last decade is the most impactful decade of leadership for any leader. The question is, as you and I both know, most young leaders, pastors, they think if they haven't hit their church max size, their apex by, in their 40s, that they're, they're, wait, they're done because they're not going to be able to write or talk or speak, you know, and, and it's so sad that if they thought that, no, my last decade is my most impactful, how that would change the way they grow, the way they read, the way they learn, the way they labor, the way they minister in the kingdom. And the same thing, uh, whether you're on staff or not on staff, whether you're a COBO Bible pastor, I mean, just if you would think that. And effects is interesting. There's a book written by Izzo. It's a non-Christian book, but it's five secrets you need to learn before you die, or discovery before you die. And, and, and the interesting thing about the book is that they, 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 he, he, you know, he's an author and you know a popular speaker, and so they had over five thousand people give him names of. Of people who have lived their life well and died well, and so, or at this point we're still living well. So, because he was going to do this research on one of the five secrets that they wish they would have known earlier. Well, it's really intriguing that as they began, they got they whittled it down to I don't know, let's say four hundred names of people they felt they would they would interview, and as they began interviewing people, they noticed that the the decade from fifty to sixty. Mm-hmm. People answered the questions radically different than the decade from sixty and above. And, and they inevitably threw out everybody younger than sixty. Because it, and they they don't tell you they, they never figured out why, but for some reason, once people hit sixty, their answers were more authentic and it was less about impressing people, but more about what was really true in their life. Wow. And crazy. um I, I I see that that you know Especially in the church in the fifties, a lot of leaders are still trying to prove themselves. But when people hit sixty, they kind of it's a it's a different kind of motivation for ministry.
1: How do you spell the name of that author?
0: Because I want to. Buy- I- Izzio John oh. Izzo. He's a popular speaker, and he just decided he was going to write a book on five secrets you need to discover before you die. And so that's why they did all this research. And just that, that one, I mean, the five secrets, are they're cute and cool. I mean, I, I as a Christian, I agree with all of them, but, um, the, the best thing I learned was that the generation over 60,
1: oh, that's really good
0: that way. I mean, I, have you ever thought about that, Ralph? I mean, to me, that's, that's, I think that's essential for us for, as leaders.
1: Yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. You know, we, we, we were doing what we did uh, quite successfully right out the gate in terms of making, we were a disciple making machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, God just pulled together a bunch of people. We didn't even like each other, the four principal leaders. It was, it was crazy. But, but three of us had a strong navigator background. Mm-hmm. And those are the three that are still friends all these years later. And so we kind of stumbled into planning a church. And then uh, the denomination that we we're in started coming to us with dying churches. And do you have anybody who can take this over? And we weren't training pastors. We were just making disciples. So we always had good disciple makers and we'd send them out. And we learned that um, a dying church is, is a dangerous church for a young pastor because you got these older people who want to cling to the past and there's conflict. And so then we kind of cut it back to we'll help you with dead churches. If you got an empty building,
0: <laughs> call us. Yeah.
1: And then uh after that, we 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 begin to 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 hit our stride and we started planting churches. But we were we were lost in the wilderness. You know, I I I moved, I started in 1971, I moved to Hawaii in '83. In that year, George Barna guys put out a thing called um uh, we have seen the future of the death of the church in Los Angeles County. And they named the top 20 churches. We're the 19th largest. And they accused us of growth by siphoning off members from small churches by running events, which actually we weren't doing. We were making disciples. But um, I think it's significant that they got my attention that we were in that. But the, their, their premise was that, Big churches run programs, and they draw people from small churches. Small churches are poor, and so they, they evangelize and make disciples, and we're cutting the roots out from under the tree. And you know that really marked my life. And then the secret sensitive deal hit, and the secret driven ministries hit, and I was lost in the wilderness. Uh, we're out there all by ourselves doing what we're doing. And we were doing it well, and nobody was paying attention to us. I, I couldn't get books published. I eventually did. But um, th- those were hard times. And yet, and yet, in all of this, and we just discovered uh, about 250 new churches. We're, we're, we know now there's about 2,600 that we know of, uh, churches that came out of the original group of 12 people, which, by the way, as we're recording this, I'm leaving today for the 50th anniversary of the first church that we planted.
0: That is so cool.
1: And, uh, but in, in all of this, it was up until, uh, I I left the big church in Hawaii. I was pastoring a small group in a movie theater. I'm in my late sixties and I bump into Todd Wilson and, and, and suddenly I'm, I, I, I'm embraced for what I do, which had never happened before in the, in the church, at, you know, at large, and I'm given a platform. And then exactly what you're saying, Greg, in this decade of my life, I'm having an impact. I, I do coaching online. I publish a blog and, you know, this podcast, and I'm having the most uh, most satisfaction I've ever known in my life and right in the middle of covid it was kind of good because it 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 caused me to reassess and i'm not traveling anymore i i uh, i do what i do for exponential i have something i'm doing in 2 weeks that was a pre covid promise and then after that i'm i'll be 76 years old in a couple of weeks and i'm not going to do anything else in the us i still will go to japan and europe and all that but this idea of don't give up hope in your 40s is, is really, really huge because it just gets better.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's, I think one of the frustrations I have of working with young leaders is they have lived their life and trained and set an expectation that if somewhere in the mid 40s, they haven't hit stride where they're seeing all their gifts maximized and yada, that they failed. And I know that was my expectation, by the way, so I confess that myself. And now that I'm 67, I'm realizing the same thing, Rob. I am having the most significant impact in my life at this stage. And I think the reason it doesn't happen, and kind of goes back to Clinton some, is if your expectation is you'll hit it in your 40s or maybe early 50s, and you don't, what we see is people give up. Yeah. And so they they're not faithful in the little things that they need to be in those decades of 40s and 50s, so that when they hit their 60s, they have nothing they have no gas left they have they've not built their walk with christ they've not continued to learn and they're done they play golf or they do whatever but it's so sad because it is i mean essentially paul i mentioned paul you know he came to christ somewhere in his late 20s died somewhere early to mid 60s so he had a 35 year ministry we don't often think of it that way but he had 35 years well if you timeline it was 35 years and I did this because I was I was really intrigued a couple months ago I, so I went and did study on this the, the last decade of his life he wrote 11 of the 13 epistles wow he, uh decide, you know he's listed with about 47 people in the New Testament 31 are within that last decade um he was in front of six Roman and or Jewish uh you know assemblies officials during that time i mean the guy had such a significant impact that last decade <laughs> so what did he do the first 25 well i i you know we spent some time in Tarsus. he obviously he was faithful but we don't really see it into chronologically that paul it's true of paul his last decade and it's it's true for most of us if we're faithful and we continue to grow faithful meaning in our walk with christ and growing in our Daily walk, and if we're growing in, in, in the gifts God's given us, I am convinced. You know that should be the last decade, whenever that is, should be our most effective and most impactful.
1: You know, as I hear you talk, I, I'm thinking back to how I kind of met you was through the uh, the exponential B five yeah. assessment. Yeah, uh, the scorecard, the addition scorecard, is all about um, getting bigger. And we're going to, we're trying to think that way. Younger guys are coming out of schools. That's what they got on their mind. And then they, they see influence in terms of fame, writing books, being right. um, invited as a speaker, all that kind of stuff. It, as soon as you change that scorecard to to building it around making disciples who make disciples, uh, you, you just stretched your glide until your 80s. Uh, and, and if you learn to, to play it, and think that my, my, my scorecard has to be built around influencing people who influence people, then you don't need to worry about the big numbers. You don't need to worry about, uh, I got famous in the religious world. You, you just have to worry about the, those impacts. And then the kinds of things that you just described in Paul's life are, are the kind of things that you're hungry for. Mm-hmm. Who, who am I going to meet? Who am I going to spend time with? Where is this serendipitous moment of I just met this person that, you know, is outside of my world, but I'm going to hang out with them. Those are the things that really count for eternity. And I think that, um, you know, I I love hearing you talk about this. This is really good.
0: Well, an amazing thing for me is, is we just don't we don't think that way. We don't plan that way, you know, because. We're looking for maximizing our impact with our gifts all the time, and without saying no, no. God, you know, Jesus says that he was faithful with little, and it may be faithful for decades. it this isn't talking about weeks; this is decades. And so, don't worry about your 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 as I call it. You don't worry about the breadth of your ministry. You worry about the depth. I mean, you know, it was really interesting. You, I know you had Ron Johnson on a few months ago, and I love Ron. I had the privilege of being kind of a mentor to Ron when he was in college. Well, oh. no one ever knows that, and no one will ever know that. Well, now they do. But you know, the reality is, um, I it wasn't like I was investing in Ron so that I knew someday. You know, no, it was just he was a college kid, you know, and he's you know he's going to get married and yada yada. So we had a mutual friend who introduced us, and it was just like, how can I invest in this young guy? Now, now he's an old man like me. But anyways. Um, and, and one other story it's really interesting and this has just kind of come around do you know brad briscoe and i met him i don't know yeah, i admire one. him oh yeah he is one of the best thinkers i can he's just so gifted well it's a little story no one knows they will now but he, when i was a pastor in wichita for the, that short two-year period we would go to a yogurt shop and in, in the midst of going to that yogurt shop i we had three young kids we, you know so there were two young guys who owned it, so we just built a relationship with them and you know just on a lifestyle evangelism side of way I, I started playing tennis with one of the owners and young guy, and we just started playing tennis and um we were only in that city for less than a little less than two years, so I played tennis and never really shared the gospel, but built a relationship with him and uh before we left, you know, I knew when you when I knew I was leaving to go plant a church in Orlando, we just had him over for dinner and and I actually prayed for it. I said, Can you do you mind if I just pray here? He said, no. So I prayed and that was it. Well, it was twenty years later, tw- at least twenty. I get this email, this was ten years ago or so I get an email from a guy named Brad Briscoe and he says, Do you know me? I said, Oh yeah, I remember you. You were the yogurt shop owner. He goes, you he said, I just need to tell you you were the first person that ever prayed for me and used my name with God's in the same sentence. And he said, and it began me on a journey which led me to, you know, Jesus. He said, I just want to thank you for that. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, that guy is such so cool. And all I did was play tasks with him. I mean, you know. But again, that's the kind of stuff if you're faithful in those little things and no one will ever know that stuff. Yeah. No one will ever know the people you've invested in, in Ralph. And, and, you know, that's not important that people know it, but it's for me, that's unfortunately, we look for maximizing our impact rather than being faithful with the little things that God's making disciples. How do we do that?
1: And then I think that we've been programmed to um, to chalk up numbers in terms of evangelism. We got to we got to give him to pray the prayer, which yeah. I think is a bit of a D.L. Moody superstition. Yeah. You know, he was a shoe salesman and wanted to teach us how to close the deal. By an altar call, yeah. and um, but but the two things that I think are are most significant as we're looking at this post Christian world, getting ready to do some some teaching on how to do evangelism in a post Christian era, are are that you you built a friendship, and you and you brought prayer into it. And if just doing those things yeah. sometimes opens an immediate door, but sometimes the story is a longer term story, like the one about. You and Brad Briscoe, but I think it's it, it's pretty easy to go from being friends with someone to them complaining about something or just a going away moment—the kind of thing you did. Uh, would it be okay if I prayed with you? And and that opens all kinds of things in people's lives.
0: Yeah, I, I you know I always felt like I was a terrible evangelist because I planted Apollo's waters. <laughs> because I mean, I did. I've done a lot of planting. I haven't seen a lot of fruit necessarily. <laughs> Um, but it's been God, the Holy Spirit kind of just affirming to me through Brad to say, no, no, you, even, even though you don't know what's happened to all those seeds you've planted, you have planted. And that's all I'm asking you to do and be faithful in that. Now it's not that I shouldn't harvest. I need to be yeah. faithful in that as well. But anyways, yeah. That, and I think that goes back to the kind of thing of if we evaluate the impact of our ministry by this year or the next five years, we will miss all those kind of opportunities. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I was, it was it was a waste of time that I spent playing tennis with this yogurt shop guy or whatever it was, you know, because we, we don't know. We don't know in light of eternity how God's going to use that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is really good. Well, I want to bring it to an end. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to do this. But um, before we end, would, would you just, um, you know, how do we how do people find you? Website, you know, yeah, web- healthy
0: growing leaders is the organization I lead um or true wiring either one of the greg at healthy growing leaders or greg at true wiring either one um get to me and uh you know you can find me on the web at greg at Gregwines.com is my personal site so yeah would, you know however god opens doors for us to do i mean the cool thing at this stage as you know ralph is you get to choose what you want to do when you want to do it and how you're going to do it and that's the fun thing so well, good thanks a lot Thank you, sir. I really enjoy this season. I, 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 we're sixty-seven, and we're not pulling out social security for the same reason. We'll wait till we're seventy. Yeah. And I, it for me, it's it's a fun thing to to be able to say, yeah, it was really fun.
1: Okay, so well, let's let's wind this thing down, and I'm
0: gonna. Sometime, get... we'll, sometime we'll find a catch up with you.
1: You know what? Let's. Um... Let's try when we're at exponential. If you're going to be there in Orlando, let's yeah. let's try and grab you know some coffee or go to dinner or do something.
0: Maybe it'd, it'd be fun. I like it. So, Just, do you ever bring do you ever bring your wife or not?
1: Well, I always bring
0: my wife to that. Well, well I'll bring mine. And why don't we do the four of us? That'd be fun.
1: Well, that'd be really fun. Oh,
0: awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks again. Thanks, Ralph. We'll see you. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at RalphMore.net.